McFoley has a cult following because of his contribution to hardcore wrestling. But hardcore is such a small part of the history of this business. When I was training a long, long, long time ago, falling off a ladder was not a prerequisite to making it as a professional wrestler. Being fundamentally sound was. Occasionally, seeing the inside of a gym was. I don't care how many thumbtacks Mick Foley has fallen on, how many ladders he's fallen off, or how many continents he's supposedly bled on, he'll always be known as a glorified stuntman. Is that so, Rick? Well, tonight in your hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, this glorified stuntman's gonna wipe the ring with you with wrestling moves. So if you wanna write a new chapter to your next putrid little novel, entitle it this, How I Was Out Wrestled by Mick Foley. Woo! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our little corner of the internet and welcome back to the Taking Liberties Pro Wrestling Podcast. Big shout out and thank you to everyone that shows support. I will always say it because it always means a lot to us. Just everyone that shows support, whether it be on YouTube or on Twitter or on any of the listening services, it just... All my expectations for this podcast so far have been blown away. So the first thing I want to do is get my congratulations out of the way from myself and and I can't speak for Andrew. Oh, my man's out here patting himself on the back, I see. I mean, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back per se. but We're patting each other on the back real quick, talking about how this incredible support we've been getting. Uh, You know, this is episode 11 of the Taking Liberties Pro Wrestling podcast. Indeed. And up to now, we've had absolutely incredible numbers, incredible feedback from everyone. Um, it's been really surreal, honestly. I mean, I've only been here since like what episode seven or so. Yeah, something like so that. So I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and take credit or nothing. But I'm, I'm just saying, the last couple episodes have had some pretty good, uh, pretty good viewership. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the episode with you and Nick, it's going like crazy. Yeah, I don't know about how it's performing on YouTube, but on our podcast platforms, it's the highest rated episode. So, well, without a doubt, I mean that was quite the episode, I, and I, I mean, and I can't wait to see to see Nick back here again soon. Oh yeah, we love the boy Nick. We can't wait to get him back. He's doing his own thing. I respect it. So, all right, brother, do you want to jump into some Impact Wrestling? Uh, sure. But first. Everyone go ahead and follow the podcast on Twitter at TLProRestPod. You know, go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. Even if you're not listening on iTunes, just... I will I will say it again. Like I said last week, I will... If you don't, go to the Apple and go to the store and find our podcast on the podcast app and give us the five-star review. I will find you and I will tickle your feet. Indeed. Those feats will be tickled. Shouts out to Wiki Feet. Shouts out. <laughs> Shouts out. But yeah, I guess we can go ahead and hop right on into this TNA Impact episode, March 4th, 2005. So is there anything per se you want to talk about as we jump off into it? Yeah, so at the very at the top of the show, uh, after the promo package, recapping the brawl that ended the show last week with... Uh, Jared DDP, the New Age Outlaw, 
and Kevin Nash. Uh, Dusty Rhodes comes out to the ramp with uh, Tracy and Trinity, and he mm-hmm. introduces a brand new signing for Impact, uh, a young man named Apollo, a professional Apollo. wrestler from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Dusty uh, announced him as one of the hottest sensations from Puerto Rico. And, uh, well, he came out to the ramp, he shook his hand, and then he walked away. Yeah, he introduced himself in Spanish, and, and Dusty said, uh, something, something that translates to he's going to whoop everybody's ass. And Yeah, that's true. So I did some research on this man, Apollo, here, and I found, yes. I found this man's Wikipedia. Yeah, tell me what you know about this Apollo fellow, because I have no right. idea. So right. this, so this brother man's uh, regular working name outside of Impact was a uh, German Figueroa. Uh, mm-hmm. The most, the most important thing I found here was that he signed a developmental contract with WWE on uh, December twenty first of two thousand seven. So was uh, FCW actually. FCW. Wow. Okay. Yeah, this is FCW. He was released from FCW in March of 2008. When did you say he got hired? December of 2007. So four months. Four long, hard months on the coconut loop. Ugh. You hate to see it. Oh, brother. So that was literally it for Apollo. He came out, uh, got introduced as the new signing, and Period. left. Okay, so the first match on the card was Michael Shane versus Chris Sabin. Michael Shane being Shawn Michaels' cousin. That's I swear that's just his whole gimmick is I'm Shawn Michaels' cousin. Bro, I didn't even know that, but honestly, after that. after you know what, after seeing that sweet chin music, now I get it. Yeah, his I, I had I had absolutely no clue. Cousin. Yeah. He was trained, I believe, with uh, Danielson and Kendrick, you know, the guys that Sean Michaels quote-unquote trained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he whoever, was... Yeah, whoever was training at Michaels' school as the trainer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, whatever, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels popped in one time to do some squats with the boys for the photo shoot for, the, for uh, <laughs> future documentaries in case any of those boys got big. And, well, clearly that worked. A little bit. So yeah, the two just start off with some chain wrestling. It's a fast-paced offense by Saban, but Michael Shane slows it down after avoiding a missile drop kick. A huge swinging net breaker off the like middle rope, middle top rope, yep. onto Saban by Shane. Shane attempts a super kick, but Saban ducks and gets up with a cradle shock and gets the win. Dude, the ref was counting pretty fast in this match. <laughs> yeah. Like he was going like one, two. I was like, whoa there, brother. What is this? It's only an hour. You gotta get through the shit. Yeah, man. I guess the Fox box was running out of time faster than we thought. Shouts out to the Fox box, by the way. I will always love the fact that there is a timer on the screen. It oh my god. All all professional wrestling needs a goddamn timer on the screen. Please. Not only does it help build tension in the match, it just helps it, us. It as helps viewers. It helps his viewers, yes, but I, I feel like it gives you a good gauge as far as just like where along in the show we are. That is also true. I will forever love a timer. But anyway. So after this match, there was a promo segment uh, from Blue Collar TV about mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett's appearance 
where he repeatedly smashed guitars over actors' heads and then ate at the dinner table with grandma. Yep. Uh, he forced some of the cast members to put him over, as Jeff Jarrett does. Yes. And then we cut to backstage with Shane Douglas and Monty Brown. Do you want to tell us about what happened in that promo? Uh, Monty Brown was saying a bunch of weird shit. Honestly, yeah, you're okay, talking so, about how so, Trey needs to get his the oil change in his rock and go back to where the fuck he came from. So the main gist of it is that Monty Brown is gonna be Triton like that. He he says way more words than that, but the main gist he is says that, it he says it in the most ultimate warrior way he possibly could have. But yeah, he says it in like uh, he's making he's making voices and he's like uh, Triton is gonna talk to. Some dude, I forgot the name. He was like, Triton's oh, yeah, because, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone he makes fight, yeah. yeah, yeah. He called Triton a member of the little head people, yeah. And then the leader is gonna be like, Oh, did you go down to Earth and defeat Monty Brown? Like, and well, Triton, like, defeat Monty Brown, yeah, he's just too much of an alpha male. I'm just like, Bro, what well, I mean, a hey, hey, that is for true, my man. Okay, well, okay, alpha that, is male. that is true, but I don't understand. There was just a whole bunch of nonsense in this promo. I just, I don't know. Essentially, the gist of this promo was at Destination X, he will be eviscerated, executed, yep. and pounced. Oh, baby. Period. Yes, Period. Sir. All right, so next on the card was a six-man tag between The Naturals and Chris Candido versus Elix Skipper, Mikey Bats, and Petey Williams. I have no idea why. Dude, why that team makes no... They even said on commentary, bro, this team makes no sense. Yeah, they were like, bro, why is Elix like, why, yeah, they're like, bad yeah. guys? What, what's going on? Yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree, too. I really didn't understand that. Anyway, Candido was it there. I mean, he had a really nice power slam and a delayed vertical suplex onto Williams. Yeah, that 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 vertical suplex was looking pretty good. And then he, and then he followed up with a uh, leg drop on the middle rope. And I got to ask, yes. why are people, even today... Doing leg drops. Stop this. Um, I can't do y'all do, do, do y'all do y'all even value your tailbone? Well, I mean, it looks cool, right? But at yeah, the end it looks of the day, cool when Hogan did it back in '86. At the end of the day, it's just going to compress your spine, and then you're going to be broken. And I mean, yeah, look back to that time Matt Hardy did a fucking leg drop off the top of a cage, and it was never the same since. Hogan lost like three or four inches off of his height because his spine got so compressed because he did the leg drop for years and years. Yeah, and that's why you're never going to catch me doing one. You, you think I'm going to fucking drop to my ass all day, every day? No. No, sir. I'm, I, I already don't want to bump as it is. Why the fuck would I want to land on my ass all the time? Honestly, taking bumps is not fun. And of course, you know, that's why I want to be a professional wrestler. This business that I love, this business in my heart. And that I this love. that I love, this business in my heart. All right, so I just pretty much said in my notes, the match sucked, bats botched, Candido wins the diving headbutt, and then he rolls a natural onto bats for the win. Yep. That's, that's, uh, that's all I got. I don't even know. I, I don't even remember what he... Oh, yes, I do. He botched a... It was like a wheelbarrow cutter that he was trying to do or whatever. Something like that. And he like just that. completely fucked it up, yeah. Um, but yeah, Candido hits a diving headbutt when bots or when bats does this botched cutter or stunner excuse me and that's pretty much it yeah and then chase stevens just pretty much pins him and it's over mm -hmm. dusty roots comes back out 
for the second of like four times tonight to announce Team Trinity versus Team Tracy at Destination X for the right to be his exclusive assistant. I've got to say, why would if I'm Dusty, why am I pitting them against each other? I mean, a two beautiful women at my a. I'm just saying, you know. Because I'm, I'm just saying. Do you want you know the real band? answer or do you want a kayfabe answer? I mean, you can give me the shoot answer and I'll pretend that the kayfabe one is whatever I say it is. Because fucking Vince Russo only knows how to write women as property. That is for true. That's the shoot answer. Yeah, bro. Listen, bro. There's nothing wrong with, with making Saber War a potato sack, bro. Nope. True. Whatever you say, man. Yeah. So, uh, while he's trying to put Team Trinity and Team Tracy against one another, David Young comes out, or well, comes out of nowhere, I guess. He just walks up, and he asks Dusty for a match to prove himself. And for anyone that doesn't know, David Young has a worse losing streak than, like... Yeah, this guy, guy lost a... This dude lost a Jeff Hammond. What's that one dude's name? He just fucking left. Brian Myers is his shoot name. I... Straight up, I really don't remember his Kurt name. Hawkins. Kurt Hawkins, there we go. The brother um, man, Curtis Hawkins. Yeah, so he's like got a fucking worse one loss. Oh yeah, they were they were they were burying him when he left, talking about how he's like oh and ninety eight or some shit. I was like, damn, dude, go win a match. But yeah, his his one loss was terrible. And unlike Kurt Hawkins, his payoff wasn't winning a championship. <laughs> yeah, speaking of young. Eric Young versus Dustin Rhodes is up next. Uh, when Rhodes comes out to the ring, uh, Eric Young attacks him before the bell goes, but uh, he's pretty much immediately cut off, and USA chants, yeah, yep. cool. Yep. Uh, pretty much, they're just, they're, just trading, they're just pretty much trading blows at this point. Yeah, Scott DeMore is accompanying uh, EY to the ring. Yes, yes. As he does um, all Team Canada members. Yeah, because we see Team Canada like three times tonight. As we do on uh, every show. Every show, yes. Uh, for some reason, Eric Young gets the the advantage over Dustin Rhodes in a blow exchange. That makes sense. Oh, just um, to backtrack, that was not Team Canada slander. I love every, every one of those guys. I love Team Canada. I mean, John Devine's fine, but like mm. everyone else, I straight up love. Oh, for sure. It's just, you know, how many times can I watch <laughs> Scott Demore come down to the ring? True. So uh, Scott Demore, you know, he hit a cheap shot on Dustin while Dustin was hanging over the bottom rope or whatever. And mm -hmm. I'll say this every time I see it: Scott Demore throws a better punch than eighty percent of the Indies today. Well, hey man, that's his job. I mean, but come on now, it's also <clears throat> their job as well. That's true. So then, eventually, uh, Eric Young goes to the top rope. And Dustin Rhodes pretty much catches him in an atomic drop. Crotches mm -hmm. Young on the top rope and then punched the piss out of it. My man was like, you're not having yeah, kids, it's, brother. It's pretty much an inverted Shattered Dreams. Yeah. Pretty Which much. Which was not a DQ for some reason. some reason. And then uh, Team Canada attempts to, the rest of them, attempt to get involved in this match. But then America's Most Wanted, oh my boys, uh, come down. Mm -hmm completely negate Team Canada's presence, and Rhodes defeats Eric Young. Yep. Uh, Dustin wins with a, a power slam. 
And then Dusty comes back to the ring again to oh, speak oh. about the main event stipulation of Destination X. Before you, before we go on to that, I really want to speak about this. Uh, this uh, fucking goddamn it, um, inverted atomic drop. So I mean the way he, I mean the way he landed on his feet and then he did it. No, not even that. The move itself. Okay, so you know the atomic drop is supposed to be a move that attacks the. The regular atomic drop is supposed to be a move that attacks the tailbone, right? You know, you you put the guy up in like a back suplex position and you drop him down to your knee and it's yep. the tailbone. Okay, so realistically, you could still sell the inverted atomic drop the same way as long as the point of the guy's knee actually goes far enough to hit your tailbone. Mm-hmm. But every time a guy sells his balls, the match should immediately go over, right? I mean, because at that point, it's a DQ. I mean, I feel like the move could still be as I, I, effective regardless, you know, to the tailbone. But once the guy sells his balls, DQ, the match should be thrown out. At least that's how I feel. I mean, like we said, that, that we harped on this quite a bit last week, but some of the officiating in impact in this time period is just really not great. Okay, well, yes. Well, that... but, but, at the, but, at the same, but at the same time... I I also think that selling your balls on an atomic drop is, I don't know about that. Yeah, well, because even if you because even because even if you take it inverted facing facing the brother man who does it to you, right. like I still feel like it should be attacking. It should be attacking your tailbone, right? Because every time be attacking your ass. If someone's gonna sell it by selling their yeah. balls, then that Hold that whole ass, move brother. should be like thrown Banned. out, right? It, that whole move shouldn't even be able to be used. But, yeah, because it'd be it'd be almost no different than just getting kicked in the nuts. Right, but given that it is a move that is is attacking the tailbone directly, that's the whole point of the move. Yeah, giving, so given that it is a legal ball. move, anyone who sells the move like by selling their balls realistically would be either selling the move wrong, or the match should be over. Those are the shoot and kick oh. answers. Well, that could also just be on the agent of the match telling Eric Young to sell his balls, not realizing well, that's not what the fucking move no. is. No, I mean, I've seen that across multiple many. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I just think that a lot of people just forget what that move is supposed to be. It's just super weird to me. I don't know. Fucking study tapes, wrestlers. Refs. Them too. All right, now Dusty's in the ring again. Uh, to speak about the main event stipulation at Destination X for the NWA World's Championship between DDP and Jeff Jarrett. And then three live crews music hits, and they're just there. And then we go. Yeah, they, I, they came down for some reason because Dust, I guess, I guess because uh, Jeff Jarrett has hit all three of these men over the head with a guitar at some point. Yes, but I mean, it's not even and like so, and so, rude to them. They just came out. Yeah, they just came out and stood around the ring. And then Dusty introduces DDP, who comes out through the crowd, like, you know, babyface things. Of course. He talks with DDP, telling him he needs to dig down real deep in his heart if he plans to become the NWA World's Champion again. Dusty said he's done everything uh, that he can do, and it's up to DDP. And DDP, yeah, he's got to dig down in his heart. His heart. His the heart. heart that he uses for this business. His business that he loves. His business is heart is blood. Yeah. Yeah, that's for true. Right, so then Jarrett... The outlaw, the naturals, and Chris Candido come down to interrupt DDP and Dusty Rhodes. Jarrett is absolutely sick of Dusty Rhodes' attempts to get that goddamn strap off of him. 
Yep. So uh, he he pushes Dusty, and oh brother, does Dusty fucking push back? Oh brother, he did not like that. Uh, so then Jarrett goes for the guitar shot. He was gonna, dude. He was gonna take Dusty's head right off of that thing. But uh, yeah, D- DDP, ever the baby face, cuts him off, and then a whole brouhaha just erupts. Kevin Nash with his quads comes in and starts beating the piss out of Brother Men too. And then DDP and Jarrett kind of find a way to separate from the pack and brawl each other into a commercial. Yeah, that's what happened. And then, I'm very surprised that when uh, Jarrett like dropped that guitar, that it didn't just explode into a million pieces. Yeah, I mean, it was. I guess it was just slightly. It, it was gimmicked, but not fully gimmicked. I mean, uh, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a gimmicked Jeff Jarrett guitar. I mean, one time I saw him put his, he like raised his arms, and just the pyro going off fucking made his guitar explode. So I think mean, <laughs> that a paper mache. All right, those things are pretty pretty flimsy, but uh, yeah. yeah, paper skin and glass bones. You know how it is. True, but yeah. Dusty or Jarrett was just pretty much saying to Dusty that he's pit everybody against him. You know, it was Randy Savage in December, and it was somebody in January. And triple triple threat here, yeah. stipulation yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Time yeah. his own Kevin Nash, Kings of Wrestling brother against him, and yeah, as you said, everything. Just kind of went down into a brawl. Fucking Jarrett fucking flipped off Dusty's hat, and that's when everything got real serious and broke down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what really got him was the hat. Yeah. He's like, like don't you touch hat. me. And then that's when everything just kind of broke down. And then uh, we came back from commercial to the main event, which was a uh, X Division championship match with AJ Styles defending against Kid Cash. Yes, Kid Cash wearing his cock shirt. Accompanied by Lance Hoyt. That's my dude right there. Uh, Christopher Daniels on commentary, as always. Uh, mm-hmm. Claiming this match is, is justice served on AJ Styles. Yes. Uh, and he is, he is very upset that he's not even included in the Ultimate X match by Dusty Cornelius Rhodes. He did which, I, 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 think, I think that might have popped Tanae a little bit. Yeah. He's um, like, what? I remember, I was like, what the... Um, so I'm, my, one of my first notes isn't even about wrestling. It was just, did you notice how loose the canvas was? No, I did not. What was okay, it like so, holding under their feet? Yes, it was. Main yes. event. <laughs> yeah. So I noticed it when Styles uh, had cash in the headlock in the side headlock and they were just moving and it was folding under both their feet. I'm like, Holy shit. Get a clue. Get a clue. Uh, the first thing I wrote down here was uh, AJ hitting his signature dropkick spot, and it goddamn was this shit pretty. Yes, that drop Dude. salt that he does is a thing of fucking beauty. I always, I, that, that's also one of my notes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that happens after the two do some good chain wrestling. Uh, there's this one takedown that Cash did. Like he had, uh, he had Styles from behind, and he had wrist control, and he just like tripped him up, and then he transitioned to a front face lock, and I, I don't know, it just they wrestled a, a bit, yeah, they wrestled a good yeah. bit before any real spots were going down, so it was real fundamental. This was a good match for sure. As a as a, as a Matt wrestling person, this was the 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 chaining at the beginning was something that I enjoyed greatly, for sure. Uh, they went to a commercial at some point in the match. When they came back, they punched one straight into a pin reversal chain, just back mm-hmm. and forth, 
back and forth two counts. Um, AJ then attempts to go for a Styles Clash, which then Cash gets out of and then distracts Rudy Charles, the referee, and kicks. He like he like mule kicks AJ in the balls. Yeah. While uh, while Charles is looking her way. Did you catch that one like really sweet arm drag that AJ did, where he like he he bounced off and he he hooked Cash's left arm. They did a full one eighty, and like the momentum of AJ swinging his whole body around it is what made the arm drag happen. Did you, did you catch that? Do you remember that at all? I don't remember it, but that definitely sounds like some shit AJ would do for sure. It was a thing of beauty. I'll fucking see if I can find that after the pod and send it to you or something, because that shit was, was, was crazy. Eventually, there was a uh, this Hurricane Rana. I don't know why Cash did this. Uh, he, 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 he jumped out of the ring to the floor, and, and Hurricane, there. yeah, he just, I don't know what this crazy motherfucker was thinking, but he, Hurricane Rana's styles from the ring to the floor. He jumped Tonight from the him, ring to the floor. Uh, Today called him the master of the Hurricane Rana, which I've never heard that name applied to Kid Cash before. What do you mean? That's like that's what everyone knows him as. He's Kid, master of the Hurricane Rana Cash. Oh, well, excuse me. I guess I just... Uh, yeah, you should watch the product. Clearly. <laughs> so there's this one point where the ref is out of position, so Cash has to tell him to get closer just so you know he can push the ref's head away and sure. uh, low blow styles. Uh, yep. So AJ, or after that, like Hurricane Rana onto the outside. AJ Cash goes to toss AJ into the barricade. AJ hops he over the barricade. This man just he, jumped it. He does an enziguri, but the thing is, I don't, bro. Why did this motherfucker take a bump on concrete for like just to do an enziguri? And why did you do that? Just do a gamengiri and stay on your right. feet, bitch. Like the like, bro. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. So yeah, he did an Gary, took a bump on concrete, very, very easily just could could have done a common Gary, and it would have had the very same effect. Probably would have looked uh, better too. Would have kicked him in the back of his head. And then after that Gary happened, my note was, "Wow, the ref is being quite lenient with the ten count." Oh, for sure. They were they were out of the ring for about a minute at that point. Oh, for, yeah. Well, officiating an impact in two thousand five. <laughs> uh, so then. Cash gets another distraction going on the ref as Hoyt attacks Styles going into a, another commercial break. Yep. As we come back, uh, Cash is on the top rope, but Styles attack like he attacks these ropes. He jumps like halfway across the oh, ring. Yeah, he like this. throws his. I I saw yeah, that he too. Threw he threw his into whole it. body at the fucking ropes. I'm He's like, like nah, fam, you're falling. Right. Uh, so eventually, uh, the two of them are on the top rope and they're fumble. I I couldn't tell what they were trying to do here. They were fumbling. okay. So yeah, the All two right. of them are on the top rope, and Cash is just going for something. I have no idea what he's going for. Uh, it looked like it, like I said, it looked like it could have been a sunset flip, maybe, but it also looked like he was trying to cradle him for a package pile driver because he it looked like he kept trying to hook his legs under Styles' thighs, which was I was like, is this motherfucker gonna do a package pile driver? Bro, we are not, rope? bro. We are not doing top rope pile drivers. I I'm like. God, I would, I would have, I would have like jumped out of my chair and cheered, like, yeah, you, you yeah. know, you know, anyone, anyone who's listening to this pod, you know, when you see a really bad bump, you just feel like a, a wave of like, holy shit, wash over you. Absolutely, that would have been, that would have been like one of the most apex moments of that. Yeah. So, 
after Cash is trying to like cradle Styles' legs or whatever, Styles just flips him out for a back body drop off the top rope. And Daniel's on commentary at this point. He mentions how these guys are sucking wind 14 minutes in, but that he went 30 minutes and it was fresh as a daisy. And then Mike yeah. was like, yeah, daisy on the losing end. And I was like, oh, the fucking shade. Yeah, my man just told him how it is. That's okay, though. Uh, after the back body drop, Styles follows that with an Uchi Garoshi in the middle of the ring to Cash, followed by a fucking brain buster, which yep. only gets him a two count. <laughs> And then he hits an Inziguri that I think was supposed to be a Pele kick. I just call it a Pele kick because I knew what he was going for. Yeah, but it looked it was not a fucking Pele kick. Oh, you want to talk about you want to talk about a botch? Let's talk about a botch immediately. After oh, yeah, let's that, talk about the fucking botch. So immediately he after that fucking oh, Inziguri Pele kick, Styles was going for the Stalin DDT, which is just uh, it's a springboard like moonsault off of the second rope where he catches you into a reverse DDT slash Scorpion Death Drop. And Styles... Okay, so... I don't know. I really don't know who... I think this was Cash's fault. I think he was out of position. I think so, too. But it also just seems like AJ didn't jump far back far enough. Okay, I feel like this really could be both their fault. But I think more so it is on Cash because... Oh, Styles literally crotches himself on Kid yeah. Cash's head. So they're going for <laughs> AJ, AJ's going for the style in DDT. And I mean, I don't for anyone that's ever done a backflip, you know, you gotta throw your fucking feet over yourself and your your feet have to land first so you can, well, land and not break your neck. Well, you know, AJ rotates, he does everything he's supposed to do, but he's got his legs open so he can kind of base himself. Well, unfortunately. Cash was a little too far back, and for some reason he was crouching down. So Styles ends up just fucking nutting himself all like on the crown, crotch first on the crown of Kid Cash's head, and both of them just crumble immediately. Immediately. Yeah, I, I know dude, that. Dude, I felt I felt so bad so. for Styles. I was like, dude, imagine taking someone's skull to the nuts. Just the absolute dirt worst. But ever the professional, AJ did a really nice looking like cradle pin and covered it up as fucking best as he could. Yeah, he tried. Uh, Daniels he tried, tried to interfere in this match, and uh, yeah, it, it, it went completely sideways. And Styles managed to retain the X Division Championship. Yep, Daniels attempts to cheat on behalf of uh, of Cash. And Cash sets up for his Tiger Driver 98, which is still insane to me. Uh, but Styles does a like a bridging. I don't even know what to call that kind of pin. It was, I guess, it was kind of like a Northern Lights, but kind of. Regardless, he got the pin. Cash looks kind of silly. But... Cash looks silly. Daniels looks silly. Fucking AJ looks like a monster. As he always, as he always does, he until always does. Uh, the Hogan era. Yeah, but we don't talk about that around here. Yeah. Uh, the show ends with a, uh, I guess there's a camera guy in the back watching Abyss, literally just marching around the parking yeah. garage, I, breaking shit. I didn't even note that because just nothing happened. That whole thing was just like, oh, oh here's well, here's here's what was interesting about this was that all the while Abyss is just like rampaging through the garage. Jeff Hardy is just perched on top of uh, 
I don't know, like maybe where the security guy hangs out. And he's got this pair of binoculars just watching him like he's a fucking animal on Nat Geo. Yeah, super weird. Super, super weird. And uh, that was Impact Wrestling for March 4th, 2005. Yeah, the show fucking sucked. The show was awful. The yeah, besides, besides the opener and the close, it was pretty meh. Yeah, the show was not them completely well i would say a, a, a missable avoidable skippable show but unfortunately we can't really do that uh, yeah unfortunately we've we've signed up to watch yeah all of them otherwise yeah. we just skip to like what like july is that when samoa joe shows up i think so and then we'd skip again to november when but, joe, but, yeah. but 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 uh, you know Sting, when we Sting, get there Sting will also be here between now and then Oh, does he? Oh, okay. I didn't know that he started in 2005 with them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Um, I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong. I'm sure someone can fact check that for us. Yeah, don't but, worry about it. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure 2005 was the year they got Joe, Sting, and Christian Cage. And then 2006 is the year they got Angle, which, I mean, is un. Oh, oh baby, we're going to talk about Kurt Angle later in this podcast. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, we are. But anyway, everybody, that was TNA Impact March 4th, 2005. All right. Uh, do you want to get, lo- get looking into the meaning of our carny commentaries? Yeah. Um, so, everybody. This new season. segment, new segment alert. More new segments segment. are coming. Yeah, so basically, uh, Andrew and I, we've just been throwing around, bouncing around ideas as far as segments that we want to throw in the pod. Yeah, just more give content. Y'all, give y'all more content, baby. Yeah, we're all about the more content. content just, just, love. Also, kind of a cool down period between the wrestling that we talk about. So the idea that I have come up with, and Andrew also has come up with an idea that we will most likely use in the future. Oh, we'll see. We'll we'll see that in the future, though. Don't worry. We got that. We got we got that idea on retainer. Yeah, but for this one, we're gonna go with my idea. And my idea was that I want to teach, or we want to teach all you guys some some of that carny speak. You know, some of that Kazarni language. Yeah, some of that Kazarni kayfabe speak. So, uh, I don't know who all here wouldn't know but i'm sure it's certainly possible that there's someone listening to this that may not be up to date on all the lingo and that's fine you know this that's why we are doing this segment because yeah that's why we're here we're here to teach you about the words that we say that barely have any meaning anymore right if (laughs) right (laughs) so you know if we just say um the heel Pearl Harbor's the baby face, and then he gets a whole bunch of heat. Like, I'm, I'm sure, lost. I'm sure no. to the average person that was nonsense. So, you know, but in the wonderful world, almost nonsense to me. Well, fair enough. But in the wonderful world of wrestling, that means a whole, you know, that, that I just constructed a whole sentence there. So, Basically, all I want to do, or all we guys, all we want to do, is just teach you guys the lingo, just to kind of keep you up to snuff, so to speak. And also give us something to do other than speak strictly about old reviews. Yes, for just for, for our own sanity. If 
Yes. If, not, if nothing else, if this nothing segment else. is to preserve our own sanity. If nothing else. So, I don't know how well this is going to do, but we're going to do it regardless. So, and feel, feel feel free to shit on it on Twitter if you want. It'll be oh, good yeah, engage- it'll be it'll be good engagement and we'll appreciate it right. no matter what. Right, regardless. Anyway, so the very first word that we have uh decided to undertake yeah the very first word that we have decided to go ahead and look at this week on the shit i already forgot the name of the segment carney commentary shit i came up with that name and i already forgot it so this week on carney commentary we are looking at probably the most important yet it's a dead word <laughs> yeah it, this is the latin of carney yeah this uh, is the latin word this so is like, cool. but it's also the most important thing oh yes yeah, by far the most important term in probably all professional wrestling just based on it the way it works yeah so so today we're gonna look at uh kayfabe Look at the word kayfabe. So basically, the whole the way the segment is going to go is that I am going to ask Andrew his definition of what he thinks a word is. So in this instance, kayfabe, and then I am going to give him my definition of said word, and then I am going to go online, find a glossary or whatever, and just find a pretty much consensus of the definition of the word kayfabe. So. And when I'm wrong, I'm going to make sure to spend at least 20 minutes straight arguing why I'm right. (laughs) So, kayfabe, go ahead, Andrew, and try and explain kayfabe to these wonderful, wonderful people. All right, you jabroni marks, listen here. Kayfabe, as far as I understand it, is the general understanding among pro wrestlers that the work they do in front of the camera is is a work. That'll be another word we talk about, and that it should be at least in certain times, should be reflected in their real lives to maintain the illusion of reality in the product that they're in. It is also known among modern fans that a pro wrestler's character in front of the curtain is not typically the same person they are behind it, which has kind of killed the concept of kayfabe in recent years. Yeah. So that was your definite. I mean, I, I know that was your definition, but that was, that was, that was, yes, that was the way I defined the idea of kayfabe. So TLDR, how you define kayfabe is that it's wrestlers knowing that a work is a work and not to work themselves into a shoot, brother, brother. Okay, Hogan, brother. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so, so what does what does the internet tell us that the meaning of kayfabe is? So I can argue well, this. I guess I will give my definition of kayfabe first. So. Oh, okay. Okay. So you just worked me. Okay. <laughs> Damn, I just got worked. So I guess what I envision kayfabe being, well, I, I pretty much agree with your definition. I mean, pretty much through and through. But as far as kayfabe, I would say that kayfabe, if I were to try and make it as simple as possible while not making it too simple, I would imagine, I would liken kayfabe to a story. And I would say that kayfabe is the general happenings of the universe of said story. So, you know, the setting of a story usually is a company, usually. So, like, take the Fed, take WWE, for example. That's, That's a setting. And 
the within the the wonderful world of I guess wrestling in general, but WWE in in their kayfabe, we have undead wizards, and we have a guy in a mask that sticks his tongue out, Man. and we have a guy that's from hell that had scars, but not really scars. They were just mental scars. Uh, who also electrocuted the balls of the owner's son. Owner's son, who in kayfabe is the owner's son, but also out of universe is the owner's son. You know, see, yeah, the work is also a shoot. Yeah, WWE just makes things needlessly complicated. But pretty much, kayfabe is the illusion of wrestling and it is the illusion of the world of wrestling so wrestlers have to adhere to kayfabe in the sense that they their character their brand their image their whatever you want to say is within kayfabe so uh i guess an example of that of someone that tries to live strictly by kayfabe in a very very dead kayfabe world is mjf yeah that man's uh, working his character at all times when no one cares anymore. No one gives a single fuck if he does that. And some would say it's good because that's a lost art. But most would tell you it's that needless. it's fucking stupid. Um, anyway, so I will now go onto the internet and see what the internet has to say what kayfabe is. You tell me, brother, what do the interwebs say about the K-Fizabe? Hmm. I, I expected this definition to be a little longer, but it says, The presentation of professional wrestling as being entirely legitimate or unscripted. Prior to the mid-1980s, this was universally maintained across all wrestling territories and promotions. I can't, you know what, you know what? I can't argue that. No, I, I mean, I... That, that is I that is straight to the point of truth. Yeah, I just I expected there to be a, a few more. A lot more. Hmm. Man, damn, maybe we maybe we maybe we worked ourselves into a shoot. I, I think man. we just worked ourselves into a shoot. God damn, bro. Wow. The word the word kayfabe just worked us. Wow, that's meta. Oh no. That's oh, terrible. Okay, so I'm trying to find other meanings of kayfabe according to the internet. Yeah, maybe maybe you can find like a the urban uh, dictionary. <laughs> oh, you know that's actually a very good idea. Yeah, I'm sure urban dictionary might have some funny ones for us to take a look at. So, one other that isn't on urban dictionary is uh, the fact or convention. That or of presenting stage performances as genuine or authentic. Okay, yeah. That is even more simple than the first one, and that makes yeah. just as... Okay, wow. Wow. I, wow, I you know what? Too much you words. Know. Damn, I think we overthought it. Yeah, way, way too much. Bro, um, kayfabe just worked us for real, for real. I'm over here talking about fucking understanding amongst pro wrestlers and the cameras and the fans and... What not? There's talking about, yeah, so this fake shit's real, lol. Okay, like, so yeah, I knew that. According to Urban Dictionary, there are five definitions for the word kayfabe. How many do you want me to read? Uh, let's, let's do three. Three, okay. So I'll, start, I'll go from three to one. Okay, so 
the third most popular uh, definition for kayfabe. Wrestling term derived from carnival talk for the word keep. Originally would have been pronounced as keelfeep? The fuck? More like keelfeep? Well, I, I, I don't speak carnival, so... Brother, it's uh, not 1950 anymore. All right. It says, originally would have been pronounced as keelfeep, and said quickly, it sounds like kayfabe. Use a shorthand term for keep quiet or keep secret. Okay. That, was that, sounds, like, that sounds like the definition Dave Meltzer put up. Uh, it sounds like something. Anyway, so the second most uh, popular definition is a literary device used in professional wrestling kayfabe is portrayal of staged events within the industry as real or true specifically the portrayal of competition rivalries and relationships between participants as being genuine and not of a staged or predetermined nature of any kind kayfabe has also evolved to become a code word of sorts for maintaining this reality within the direct or indirect presence of the general public you know i like that definition actually yeah it was wordy yeah I like words. Yeah, I feel like uh, that definition didn't get worked into a shit. Anyway, and the number one, uh, the number one definition for kayfabe on Urban Dictionary with 520 thumbs up. Wow. Term in professional wrestling, kayfabe was the unsaid rule that the characters should stay in character during the show and in public appearances in order to maintain a feeling of reality, albeit suspended, among the fans. Um, so I yeah, mean, I guess it's also true, but I mean, those, those first two yeah. definitions I think were better. I, I would agree. Well, I really like that second one on Urban Dictionary. Yeah, you just like a lot of words, brother, brother. I think so. You wordy ass motherfucker. So would you like to go through another word or just, I'm sure a word that you wouldn't have, you know. To think about in advance, like kayfabe, like work or shoot. Well, or well, well. How about well, how about this? How about how about we explain shoot and work real quick, since we keep saying it. So okay. Yeah. If if you ask me, a shoot is just when something happens and it's for real, for real. Like there's no bones about it. That shit was real, yeah. which typically is is used in the wrestling business when maybe somewhere in a match, maybe a guy starts throwing real shots at someone because maybe they pissed him off. Or maybe they're just a really terrible person, <clears throat> sexy star, or um, or uh, I mean, it's also used in um a lot of things for fighting, like people call shoot fighting. Yes, I mean, that's a, a that's thing, a, that's, yeah, that's that's a pretty generally used term, even in like combat sports, like like MMA. Yeah, like, there are things like shoot style, which mm -hmm. I, I mean, really is just talking about like, hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck this dude up. Yeah, that's that's really it. Uh, and then I guess I'll also define work real quick. Okay. A work is essentially the opposite, where the idea is that it's supposed to seem like it, it's supposed to come off as real, but uh, the work part is that it's actually not, and the work is to make you believe it's real. Mm. Yeah. So if I were to give my definitions of shoot and work, so shoot being, as you said, real, uh, professional wrestling is a predetermined sport i always struggle air with what quotes. you use there yeah professional wrestling is a predetermined sport. sport professional wrestling is a predetermined sport and so a shoot would be anything that happens that is not 
predetermined. So anything that has happened that has not already been upon before the actual match starts is a shoot. Or, you know, so like, uh, if we were to go back to my analogy of kayfabe being like a, a story universe. So the two guys have agreed to do whatever the fuck. Um, we're going to do a drop-down leapfrog spot, brother. Yeah, the universal spot. Drop-down leapfrog, hip-toss, hip-toss. Uh, uh, no, drop-down leapfrog, shoulder-tackle, shoulder-tackle, hip-toss, I think it is. Whatever it is, everyone does it. Yeah, the universal spot. So if everyone does the universal spot and, you know, the guy calls it. So, so okay, so say you and I are doing this universal and on the uh, the the leapfrog, say you leapfrog, and I'm supposed to drop down, or I'm supposed to take a bump, a snap bump from a from a shoulder tackle that you hit me with. Well, say I just say fuck all that and just fucking shoot on you, you like start beating the piss out of me in the middle of the ring and just bloody shoot. my face up. I guess I can't. I guess I shouldn't use. I mean, I guess the context is different, but I shouldn't use that word trying to describe the word shoot. So shoot what I meant is I'll, I'll take you down with like a, a double leg is what I meant to say. I'll and shoot it. Actually, and then start actually. And, yeah, and I'll start actually just beating the shit out of you. So that is, you know, shoot. It's something the, the guys have agreed that they were going to do the universal spot. And then one guy is just like, nah, how about I don't do that? Okay, it's, and, it's almost it's it's almost like you're taking liberties. I was trying to avoid. <laughs> I was trying so hard to avoid saying Let's that one guy was taking. Oh, I don't even care. Fuck you. That yeah. was sick. Uh, yeah, I was trying so hard to avoid saying that taking liberties, but yeah. So that is shoot, and a work would be within the confines of the kayfabe universe that. It is anything that has been agreed upon that just that the two guys do. So whether they're trying to elicit the emotion of anger from you. So say like this fucking bastard Andrew stabs you in the eye with a fork and then the crowd wants to kill him because he just fucking stabbed me in the eye with a fork. Well, he just worked all those people into being upset, even though in reality... I am perfectly fine. How do, so you, he, how do you gimmick getting stabbed in the eye with a fork? Uh, the same way they gimmicked Rey Mysterio's eye, huh? Well, if the the best way would, I guess, to do what uh, Abdul the Butcher does when he gimmicks the the fork to the head, what he just does is he puts, he puts the fork to your head but doesn't apply any pressure at all. And the opponent is supposed to push into the fork themselves, so they apply the so they apply all the pressure that they want and can handle. So that's what Abby does. Damn, bro! I just assumed he was carving brothers up. Yeah, well, that's hey, hey, you know what? Well, you I got worked. Work. Huh? I got, got worked. Work. That's the I point. Got you got worked. Work. Damn, and... look at him doing his fucking job. I got worked by Abdullah the Butcher. That's crazy. Look at it. It all loops back around. You got worked, and well. Jabroni ass mark, I am my bad guys. So, do you want to try and 
up the ante and describe what a worked shoot is? A worked shoot? Oh, shit. So, oh, man, a worked shoot. Holy shit. So we've described a shoot and we've described a work, but there's also something called a worked shoot. Okay, so a worked shoot is literally just a work under the guise of a shoot. So the idea is that is that when you're when you're working, when brothers are working, uh-huh. uh, say you're cutting a promo in the ring and you say some really personal stuff that like has nothing to do with kayfabe, you know, ooh, you know, you're breaking the fourth wall a bit. Yeah. So say that, like that, I that had that as a work shoot. So say that I had a just crippling alcohol addiction, right? And we are in the ring and. Your Andrew, character doesn't have an alcohol addiction. And my character doesn't have an alcohol addiction. And Andrew's just like, oh, yeah, and I bet you're going to go home and fucking pop open a couple of code ones and beat your kids. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, something. I don't know. I was trying not to whatever say gets that. Me, whatever gets me heat, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever just gets you a cheap fucking pop. Um, that would be a work shoot. You're you're deliberately saying something that is known backstage and to the smart fans. Mm, those smart marks, them smarks. But it's not something that is in kayfabe known or associated with your character. Yeah. So, so it's is... essentially it's essentially you can boil work shoot down to breaking the boundaries of kayfabe while still remaining inside of it. Yeah. Just bad storytelling, if I'm being honest. At least that's, that's it, it, I think it, it, Sometimes it can be tasteful, but I think it's an overused practice, especially in modern times because of Twitter and other social medias that make it basically impossible for, for a professional wrestler to have a personal life without fans somehow. Like, do you, like I, how many professional wrestlers' personal Facebook accounts get absolutely inundated with fans who find it because they know their real name? Like. Sure. Like like thirty years ago, would you know that Seth Rollins' real name is Colby Lopez? Like, no, you wouldn't. I also probably wouldn't care. I mean, I still don't care. But I know, I but I'm saying the saying the general public of professional yeah. wrestling fans yeah. would not know that my man's name is not actually Seth Rollins or Tyler well, Black why, or whatever. That's why wrestlers back in the day could subscribe to the Wrestling Observer under their shoot name. I mean, Meltzer knew. Yeah, who what was were. he? Yeah, what was he gonna say? Nothing. Right. That's the whole point. Because he's supposed to be, or he's a confidant. So uh, that's why wrestlers back in the day could s- subscribe to the Observer under their their shoot names, under their real names. Um, I guess, I, I guess we didn't even touch that definition. Shoot also just means real. I mean, anything that's not kayfabe, anything that's not, anything that's not kayfabe, anything that's not worked, anything that's not. In the realm uh, of the illusion. In the realm of an illusion, yeah. It's just, it's real. So like like I said, wrestlers could sign, or, sign up under their shoot name for the Observer. They signed up under their real name for the Observer. Hmm, I got the subscription from Terry Bollea. Hmm. Who is that? <laughs> yeah, all right. So now let me find shoot. Uh, you keep talking to fill this dead air, please. Oh, yeah. So, I mean... I can only imagine what uh, Urban Dictionary and Wikipedia are going to say about these. Uh, especially work shoot. That's going to probably be really fun to find because uh, that's such a odd wrestling term. I agree. It's, are, you uh, looking, are we looking at Wikipedia first for the first two? Yeah. 
All right. So I found. Okay, shoot. Uh, according to Wikipedia, a shoot is when a wrestler or personality deliberately goes off script, either by making candid comments or remarks during an interview, breaking kayfabe, or legitimately attacking an opponent. So, pretty much exactly what we said. Yep. Well, yeah, I didn't get work that one. Oh, that's like a work. <laughs> okay, and now we work. There are three definitions on Wikipedia for this. Now oh, well, yes. <laughs> So the first definition is anything planned to happen or a, quote, rational, a rationalized lie, the opposite of a shoot. That's the noun, verb, to methodically attack a single body part. Oh, this is in kayfabe. Working a hold, working a body part. Yeah, like to work a hold, work a body part, yeah. Oh, and the third one is to deceive or manipulate an audience in order to elicit a desired response. So that sounds about correct. Yeah. I mean, again, practically what we said, yeah. There's also worked shoot on Wikipedia, which I Oh, is there? Watch. That's actually surprising because I thought that was going to be such a weird term. Yeah, so on Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, a worked shoot is the phenomenon of a wrestler seemingly going off script, excuse me, often revealing elements of out-of-universe reality, but actually doing so as a fully planned part of the show. A notable example of a work shoot is... Can you, can you guess what this notable example of a work shoot is? Of a work shoot? Yeah. The, 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 or the example that they have. I don't know, man. There's so many. Just, just... I could... Just... Oh, man. Think about... The, what's the first one that comes to your head right now? Well, the first one that comes to my head is the John Cena Roman Reigns promo, but that's because I'm a stupid fucking Mark and I have a yeah, bad that's, memory. That's recency bias. Yeah. Um, that's because I remember that very vividly because I was laughing. Big dog. But no, the CM Punk's pipe bomb promo. Oh, the pipe bomb. Yeah, I forgot that happened. <laughs> How do you forget the... Because hey, I haven't... Oh, I haven't the man, CM Punk has not crossed my mind since like his his UFC fight like five years ago. Fair, that's fair actually. Yeah, that's, like that's... I think especially after he made his pro wrestling return on WWE backstage, I think all emotional feelings towards him had had died at that moment. But maybe that's just me. Uh, I've heard that from a few people. Hi, Colt Cabana. Uh, I don't see work on Urban Dictionary. Dictionary. Damn, these wrestling fans need to get on it. No. Fucking what Marks. the hell, guys? Marks is a term we'll come back to. Oh, we can talk about Marks next week. Yeah. I guess we're just going to have to go with the, uh, the, the, um, Wikipedia definitions and just stick with it. Yeah, I mean, I they, guess. Well, to be, to be fair, they're pretty good definitions. They were, yeah, they were pretty good definitions. I mean, they they, they aligned with what we said, so I'm perfectly fine not finding anything to, you know, argue us, contrast what we said. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, this is this is an echo chamber, brother. We only hear what we want to hear, right? Just like, never mind. 
don't don't say it. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna yeah, alienate yeah, yeah, half yeah, the yeah, audience. Yeah, Slow yeah, down. Yeah. We just talked about Slow. that last night. Yeah. Slow just... your roll. Slow yeah. it down, kid. Speaking of slow it down, kid, are you ready to talk about the blast from the past, brother? Yes, sir. Our what, everybody? segment that is finally named. That was the Carney commentary segment. And yes, now we are heading into the blast from the past, brother segment. Yes, that's the that's the whole name. That's correct. The blast from the past, comma, brother. That uh, is our retro review segment because I did not want to say retro review because everyone in their fucking grandmother calls their review a retro review. And then I, I kind of said it sarcastically and it just kind of stuck. Yep. Uh, this week, thanks to a suggestion from someone in uh, that we know, mm-hmm. we watched Vengeance 2006. Yes, it was recommended to us by Celevs. Kelevs. I don't. I don't know if the C is soft or hard, but but we appreciate the recommendation because this show actually didn't totally suck. Yes, which is actually shocking. Yeah, we totally expected shit on this show. Yeah, we we fully expected to come into this show and just doo doo on it, but. That didn't happen. I I don't think. Speaking of slow it down, are you ready to talk about the first match on this show? Of course. So we had Randall Keith Orton with the dripping pyro. Oh, the dripping pyro and the burning my light and the and the, yeah. the hair and the he didn't ha- he wasn't like completely covered in tattoos yet, so he was kind of looking. And he, and he does his pose correctly at this oh, time. Oh, the arms all the way out. He like he's like arms looking all the way out. Yeah. Yeah, we had Randall Keith Orton versus the hardcore Olympian, Kurt Angle. And this was actually, I didn't realize this until the, until the promo packs that opened the show, but this pay-per-view was the one that took place right after One Night Stand 2006. Yes, sir. So this, match was actually, this match was a rematch on that show where the crowd chanted pussy. Pussy. And then Orton was like, no, my fans. Yo, yeah. that's that's a goaded my fans. My fans. moment. Yes, it is. I hope I hope that whenever we're in the biz, we get pussy chance, and then we do the same thing. I would be disappointed. Yeah, I better get some pussy chance. <laughs> so the match just starts off with Angle embarrassing Randy Orton on the mat. Oh yeah, he was like he was like hunting him for the first couple minutes of the match. Or he kept taking away. He kept taking him down to the mat, and at one point he just rode him. Oh yeah, his head just absolutely embarrassed. So yeah, and after that happens, they kind of brought out. Well, they don't. It's not out per se. They get on the apron. Yeah, they get on the apron, and then the uh, hottest Angle part teases, of the ring. April teases or Angle. Teases a April. German. I who April O'Neil. I was reading Apron when I said Angle and Ninja Turtles. April, uh, Crazy. yeah. So German. He's teasing a German from the apron onto the floor. Yo, Kurt. Kurt looked like he really wanted Orton to let. It, go it looked of like those he ropes. was. He wanted him to let go of those ropes. Looked like he was trying to rip him shoot. off. Yeah. Suplex him. Which at this point, it's it's very possible that Kurt might have just been off a perk and actually wanted to just fuck Orton up. 
it's very possible. Lots and lots of Vicodin um, for broken necks. So, uh, Randy, just they brawl inside of back inside of the ring, and Randy is just working a chin lock. Oh, brother, he worked his chin lock oh, for quite a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, before before the chin lock, uh, Kurt wasn't able to get that German suplex from the apron, but he was able to land one directly on the floor just moments oh, later. Yeah. Which I which which I mean, we both were like, "Oh shit!" And I was like, "Yo, we need to slow it down, kid." Oh yeah, I'm sure. Or, I Orton can was like, "Yo, we need to slow it yeah. down." Orton took that fucking German onto the floor, and he was like, "Oh." oh. That shit hurt. Let's slow it down, Kurt. Let's yeah, that hurted. Yeah. So Orton's working this hold, and such a just stunning concept. It looks like he's actually trying sure. to rip his head off, Angle's head off, while he's working this yeah, hold. They weren't, they weren't just breathing. Like He had like a deep cinch in, and like Angle was, like, he was not comfortable at all. Yeah, it, it's almost like they were working a professional wrestling match it's crazy it's it's almost like they weren't just sitting on the mat sucking wind wild four minutes in yeah yeah uh, uh and- angle manages to kind of wrestle free enough to uh i honestly thought angle was going to go for an angle slam right here but he just went for a go and drop type gimmick mm-hmm. uh, but orton kind of manages to put the chin lock right back on yep and then orton starts working it even harder he he puts his foot Excuse me. He puts his foot on the rope for leverage. He cinches it in even more. He like even does a headstand at one point while he has this uh has this chin lock in. I mean, he's really working this fucking chin lock. Yeah, and then eventually Orton just kind of lets him out and goes for that. Oh, that knee he drops. Oh, baby. Oof. Oof. Randy and- Orton. Randy Orton's got the crazy good knee drop. Him, AJ Styles, and Ric Flair. My top three knee drops in the whole biz. I agree wholeheartedly. Just the an absolutely beautiful knee. Uh, Randy then goes up for... Oh, no, 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 no. Randy goes right back into a chin lock after the knee drop. He gets <laughs> right back in it. Uh, Angle manages to get out of this and then gets a fat lariat from Orton for, for yeah. even trying this. Yeah. That's when Orton goes up goes up to the top rope and Kurt, with all that chutzpah and bravado and Vicodin, manages to just run up the ropes and Almost, he almost breaks Orton's neck with this, uh, yeah, so, this belly to belly. Uh, Kurt runs up the ropes, you know, all cat-like like he does. Uh, I say cat-like, but it wasn't as great. And he goes for a belly to belly that kind of like turns into an arm drag because he's hooked all the way. And they both just slip, and Orton almost spikes his head right into the fucking bed. If he, if he didn't tuck his chin, concussion. That would have been an immediate concussion. Yeah. Kurt, and, Kurt gets Orton up for uh, a suplex. Yep. Orton then counters an angle slam into that backbreaker he does that after all these years he's never named. Mm-hmm. Super weird. Uh, eventually, Orton goes over to one of the turnbuckle pads and starts to un- to untie it, which uh, comes back towards the, the finish of this match. Yes. Uh, and then Angle just... Hits like eight straight trapped German suplexes on Randy. My man Orton looked like he was about to just like, by number six. He was he was Orton done. Was gassed as fuck. Yeah, by number six, Orton was super gassed. Number by number seven, 
He when the seventh one hit, stop. you know that he didn't want to get up. Yeah, because you could see it. He was like, oh. it took, well, well, how long did it take them to stand up after the seventh one? Like a whole yeah. 45 seconds. Yeah, it took them a while. Yeah, they were fucking gas. And then the eighth one came and Orton immediately powdered. Immediately yeah, like, powdered. yeah, I'm getting out. And then Kurt, Kurt chased him, threw him right back in the ring for a two count. Yeah. Orton, uh, or not Orton, uh, Kurt Angle just has fucking freak stamina. Well, yeah, man. I mean, that, what do you expect from an Olympian, I guess, you know? True, but Angle, still. Angle only gets a two count for his troubles, and then he puts Orton to an ankle lock, which then, mm-hmm. this was crazy. Orton manages to, like, build up some momentum in getting out, and he literally throws Angle straight into the turnbuckle pad. The turnbuckle itself that was exposed. Yes. And uh, he s- just smacks his fucking face off it, takes an RKO, and Randy gets his win back after getting called a pussy at one night stand. <laughs> Orton had so much momentum and so much power in his legs. He threw. He, he threw. He was able to throw Kurt Angle, and Kurt Angle was able to turn about 30 degrees to properly hit this uh, this turnbuckle. That's how much force that Angle countered this he just generated so much force just being on his hands yeah that's how much force he was able to count or generate in his legs to counter this move crazy and yeah he hits the rko fourth one uh good match actually it was a very good match actually uh, i think this match this match was definitely better than the one that had a one night stand that is for true yeah i think uh like I i was saying when we watched this match probably could have shaved about a minute and a half of, of that, that headlock off, yeah. The, the chin uh, locking was a little uh, long, but otherwise, this match is very solid, yeah, yeah. And then we cut to a backstage promo next where Vince McMahon is on the phone. Essentially, essentially, he says, uh, as I quote, Vengeance is mine, saith McMahon, yep. Uh, which I, which I can only assume is referring to the five on two main event of the Spirit Squad versus D. Generation X. Mm-hmm. Uh, soon after that, a young child in a wheelchair enters Vince's office to get nothing but absolutely terrorized. Yes. Uh, Vince, uh, because this kid's wearing a DX shirt, but this kid, as is later revealed by Jonathan Coachman just moments after what Vince does to this child, was actually a, a very big fan of Vince and just came to meet him. Mm-hmm. But uh, Vince, being in a, in a blind rage at this shirt, like grabs this young child's wheelchair at the, like the, it honestly kind of scared me how fast his arms moved here. Yeah. Like he's like snapped onto it and he just like it looks the child into the eye. Super creepy. Menacingly. And he says, you know what, kid, I'm going to take you on a ride to hell. And he literally opens, the, he opens the door to his office, wheels the kid over and pushes him into what I consume was his death. Yeah. Um, he like wheeled him pretty much out of the room and he crashed. <laughs> crashed. Yeah, he really crashed. He crashed. He, you heard the kid hit the wall. And then it was pretty much after this, that's when Coachman comes in to let uh Vince know that there was a young fan in a wheelchair who was trying to meet him. And uh Vince asked Coachman to let him know when the fan arrived. Yes. Knowing full well what he just did. Yes, sir. Uh, also, Coach finds a dick pump outside. Oh, of, that is true. He did find a penis pump outside of Vince's office. He said those DX guys have been hanging around your office. Left this this penis pump. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes, they did. 
And so after that segment, we have Umaga with Armando Alejandro Estrada. That's my guy right there. Versus Eugene. And Eugene brings out a bunch of old guys. Yeah, so Armando, when, when Umaga and Armando get down to the ring, he, he gets on the mic and tells Eugene, like, brother, it doesn't matter who the hell you bring to this ring, you are not beating this guy. He's on a push right now. He's going to have a title match in all six months with the champion, so you're not winning this. And he's uh, going to look fucking super strong in that first match and get buried in that second one. Yep. Yes, brother. So Eugene comes out and he brings out the boys, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Oh, not, not Matt Bourne doink. Yep. And Kamala, which that was really crazy, especially what they did with Kamala in this match. Okay, first off, RIP Kamala. RIP to my man. That's my guy right there. That speaking of which, cool. speaking of which, yes. RIP to uh, Road Warrior Animal. Yes, sir. Uh, I actually found it's, I did not expect to find out the way that I found out. But I got a text from my dad at like seven in the morning uh, that Road Warrior Animal had died, and it was super weird. I'm sure him sending me that text was the Road Warriors' favorite tag team of all time. So I woke up like finding out that Road Warrior Animal died from my dad. I'm like, oh wow, holy shit! So that was that was a trip. Yeah, dude, that's it's fucking crazy. The dude was only sixty. Yeah, that's insane. Lived a hell of a life. Oh, dude, yeah. What a rush. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. But uh, back to this match here. Um, basically, the crux of this is that Umaga bounces Eugene around the ring like a goddamn rubber rubber band and beats yes. the piss out of him. With This match goes like 45 seconds and Umaga yeah, wins. I have one note. Squash. Umaga wins with the spike. So, uh, Uma- so then all the legends kind of hit the ring. And Umaga completely jobs out Duggan and Doink. Yes. But for some ungodly reason, and I, I, maybe, maybe there is a reason for this, uh, Estrada tells Umaga to absolutely not fuck with Kamala. Yeah, he's, he's selling Kamala, Kamala in for 2005. Six. Six. 2006. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's all the same year to me. True. Um, yeah, but Umaga starts jawjacking with Kamala a little bit, you know, and I, I mean, the fans are kind of getting hot for this. Like, low-key. There, 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 there was some heat for this. And yeah. Estrada said, nah, we ain't doing this, bruv. We need to leave. Um, uh, which yes. then made me, which made me wonder, does Umaga understand English? <laughs> I was just about to fucking say that. Well, that's the thing, because uh, Estrada was, he was speaking Spanish, and Umaga was replying in Samoan. Yeah, so, what the? I don't know what the hell is going on here. That was a thing that happened. Speaking so, yeah. of things that happened, we go backstage with Todd Grisham interviewing the hardcore legend Mick Foley. Yes, sir. Bang, bang. Mick Foley, you know, the two-time, two-time New York Times number one best-selling author, uh, pulls out a passage from Ric Flair's, <laughs> quote, autobiography, which... This, well, it is an autobiography. No, no, no. It is an autobiography. Yeah. The quote is a uh, what flair. What did he call it? A novel? Because of yeah, he called like, a novel is full of falsehoods. Yeah, because he said an autobiography is supposed to be about yourself, and it's supposed to be about the truth. 
but it's yeah, and then, falsehoods. And this passage that Rick me that Rick that Mick reads essentially is, is just calling him out for being a spot monkey, non-fundamental Jamoni piece of trash who's never seen the inside of a gym. Yep, and, and 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 you know what? This match that comes up does nothing but proves Rick's point. <laughs> yeah, so this I don't match... know what the hell was happening in this match. Yeah. So so match. so the match so the match here is Mick Foley versus Ric Flair in two out of three falls. And mm-hmm. this match goes less than ten minutes. Yeah. And in those ten so, minutes, Ric Flair finds a way to cover the entire ring in his blood. Yes, sir. So the match basically, um, as you said, it did not at all to disprove what Mick had just read from this passage of Rick's book. It only accentuated that point, actually, because Mick... Rick Flair spent the better part of the match working him. Okay, so... Let me me go over my notes for this match real quick. Okay, I'll just read all my notes straight through this match. I don't have, like, too much, but... Well, I've got a ton. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll read mine, and then we can backtrack, of course. Okay, so my notes for this match. Uh, Ric Flair doing some chain wrestling and embarrassing McFarlane. Like, straight up embarrassing him. It was really pitiful. Yeah, he made Ric McFarlane really bad. Ric Flair straight up grabs Foley's dick. Foley tries to do the figure four, and Flair cradles him for the first fall. Foley does his bump over the stairs. Foley gets himself DQ'd because he was in the figure four and couldn't escape it. Foley gets barbed wire and... Uh, save that, I guess. But... All right, no, so yeah, uh, okay. So what I essentially said was that Ric Flair started this match with his anti-spot monkey gimmick mm-hmm. by repeat by repeatedly putting Mech in an arm and different arm holds, arm wrenches, chicken wings, using takedowns. He it's made true. Mick look like an absolute J-brone. Uh, Mick manages to recover and hits Rick with a uh, running knee in the corner and mm-hmm. pulls out Mr. Sacco. And mind you, we're like four minutes into the match at this point. Mick yeah. Foley pulls out Mr. Sacco, who is cosplaying as Ric Flair here. Mm-hmm. That kind of ruled. I think, um, what is commentary called? Mr. Rico or something like Mr. that? Mr. Rico, yeah, that's original. Uh, Flair then grabbed Foley's sack with a death grip, which I'm not sure how the ref didn't call a DQ on that right there. Sure. He did it twice, actually. Yeah, and then, uh, then Foley goes to put Flair in a figure four, gets cradled and pinned. Uh, mm-hmm. Foley is not impressed by this, but I mean, it's only it's its own damn fault. Uh, Flair tries to do it again, only gets a two. They start brawling a bit, and the two of them wind up in the crowd just so that Flair can do a back body drop to the floor from inside. Yeah. inside. Like, I don't know why Ric Flair thought, like, you know what? I really need to take a bump from the crowd to the ringside area. Yeah, they brawled outside just to do this one spot and then went right. Yep. So then uh, Flair runs at Foley. Gets back body drop. Foley then uh, looks for some plunder underneath the ring, pulls out a street sign, uh, some other garbage, and then a trash can, can, uh, which, again, this is a disqual... This match is disqual... So the referee has absolutely no idea what the hell he's doing. Yeah, this is the match contested under regular rules. It just happens to be a total three falls match. So Flair manages to get a figure four on Rick, which then Mick uses... He just smashes it over Rick's head because he cannot get out of this figure four because he is a shitty wrestler. Okay. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so the yeah, so the story of this match, story of the the falls. By the way, uh, Ric Flair at like fifty five, however, 
just swept McFoley in this match. So this was this was this was a two to zero, ten yes. minute, two out of three falls match. Yep. So the story is that Ric Flair or McFoley tries to put Ric Flair in the figure four, but he can't really apply it very well, and he gets rolled up because he's a shitty wrestler, and he gets put in the figure four himself. Mick, that is. And he doesn't know how to escape it, so he's a shitty wrestler. So he just uses his he just uses weapons because he's a because he's a he's a trash. I'm not saying McFoley is actually a trash wrestler. Yeah, I'm saying the story of this match is that McFoley. The story of this match is that McFoley is a shit wrestler. In kayfabe, the story is that McFoley is a shit wrestler, and this match did nothing to disprove that. Yeah. So then Flair wins, and then Foley. Immediately after the match, proceeds to continue attacking Rick, and manages to grab himself a uh, barbed wire baseball bat. Now, mm-hmm. this is this was kind of funny. Is when when Mick actually struck Flair with it. The the blade job that Flair did was like literally on camera. Like it was pretty blatant. Like gigs right in front we of the camera. Bo- we both saw him do it. Yeah, he gigged but, right in front of the camera. But oh, brother, Rick Flair was bleeding everywhere, and I mean, this is like. This is almost like the Eddie Guerrero juice, mm. you know? Like, we're getting like close. Every time he has his bloodiest matches, they always put his family right in the front. Oh, yeah, I we forgot saw, the goddamn... We a young Charlotte. Ashley Fleer. Mm. Ashley yeah, Fleer Char- Ash at the time. Charlotte Flair was sitting in the crowd for this match for... Because they're in North Carolina, I suppose, but, like... Yes, sir. They, they literally had... What is with the Fed making families watch the 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 patriarch get fucked up? I don't know. I I genuinely don't know. It's super fucked. And it's and it, I mean, typically they did it to Mick Foley, but like, why they do it to Rick? Why why are they doing Rick like this? Why do they do Ray like this? I mean, they fucking brought Dominic and uh, Ray. Yeah, but they the whole thing like like in, was it two thousand eight ish. Well, Dominic was custody of Dominic. Everybody remembers that. But like, that was too, well, yeah. I don't, I don't remember any CS thing I'm talking about. Oh yes, yes, yes. Where they're like, oh well, your dad is stinky and shitty, and he likes drugs, and it's like he's Raymond. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. That. Yeah. Speaking of talking about, we have Maria backstage speaking with Carlito, who Bro, this. This, this was oh, this is craziness. Cool. This this segment was too much for me. So essentially, um, Maria introduces Carlito and says to him, "Okay, uh, before before this was a very 2006 WWE. Oh yeah, this this would this would never fucking fly. This, in this however, period. it I still enjoyed it so well because everyone involved did exactly what yeah. they did. Car- Carlito absolutely kills this segment." Everyone, Carlito, Maria, and she who will be introduced soon, they all oh, killed me. Yeah, so Maria is, is God Carlito, and she pretty much says to him that she believes that the people who want to be cool are the least cool, and those who don't want to be cool are the coolest. And, and essentially, Carlito has no fucking clue what she's talking about. Yep. Uh, so then Tori Wilson, in a bikini, all bikinied up, Walks up to them and asks Carlito to hold her puppies. And, and they were shoot puppies. Her shoot puppies. But before yeah. she handed them off, Carlito 
looking up to the sky, thanks Jesus for this opportunity. He literally goes to grab her boobs. Like, literally, he goes in both hands blazing. Both hands blazing. And then she pulls and then up Tori, and, then, and, then, and then Tori cuts and mom with two puppies. Yep. And then and then she and Maria walk over to this area for, like, photo shoots. And they begin to just cover each other in baby oil. While Carlito watches and he like like an absolute perv. Like an absolute he's perv. like, yeah, he's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah, between, yeah. right between those, yeah, yeah. He was being a mega perv, but then this is the best part in my this this <laughs> is the best part in my. Opinion. This is the absolute best part for sure. So then Carlito's music hits, which which for some reason, uh, just forces him to leave this yeah. situation, like he's being summoned or something. Which you said no jutsu. Sir, my man's like, oh, my music's playing. I have to leave, so he just leaves. He, yeah, and he he puts the dogs down, and he's just like, damn it, ah, and he he leaves, and he goes to do his match. Which what's, I mean, what, what's what's upsetting to me is I was expecting Carlio to get a huge pop after this segment. He came out to absolutely no reaction. I was like, mm. how you how you not reacting to the boy Carlito Caribbean cool after he just watched two beautiful women lather each other up. I feel like the pop probably happened when his music hit, but probably, it, but still, it wasn't. Uh, the mics for the stadium probably weren't turned well, on. Stadium, the arena probably weren't turned on because we were watching the backstage segment. That's at least what I would like to imagine. Because I, Carlito was pretty we, much all everyone. Out. Everyone needs to put some goddamn respect on Carlito's name. Okay, that guy Absolutely. was definitely one of the one of the absolute best mid carters in the two thousands they could have ever asked for. He spit in the face of people who didn't want to be cool, and he did the backcracker, like yeah, point blank. So, uh, this match that he's coming out for was a triple threat. It is Carlito, Johnny Nitro, and Shelton Benjamin for the Intercontinental Championship. The mat is still absolutely pasted with Ric Flair's blood. Just <laughs> this is this so... is this is a biohazard, my guy. Yeah. Nowadays, they got like four or five. Cam- Canvases that they change every like 30 minutes on the regular, just ready. You know, this time they had one canvas. And, and if you ruined it, bled, that's it. And they bled. Yeah, wow. that's it. Right. And I'm just thinking that is disgusting. Oh, absolutely. That was pretty gross. Yep. So, like, one of the first moves of this match was Carlito hitting a double springboard senton onto the fellas. And I thought that was pretty sick. Yeah, there was also uh, Carlito had Shelton Benjamin in a headlock as Johnny Nitro uh, came off the ropes and he literally just got back body dropped by a dude with no hands. Yeah. That this, didn't make uh, any sense, but it looked cool as shit. <laughs> True. This match was really good. It was not like the prototypical WWE multi-man where... Uh, oh, yeah, cause when, when, we, when we watched this match together, I was talking about how I have such disdain for the WWE formula of a triple yeah, threat where one man rolls really, out and it's a one-on-one yeah. until another man rolls in and the other one rolls out. And they do that with all multi-mans, whether it be triple threat, fatal four-way, or Anything, fatal five-way. Yeah. It's always yeah. just one. It's just always two men in the ring while everyone else is on the outside on their ass. Yeah. Which, in a triple threat match, I guess that sort of makes sense in a triple threat because, you know, the third man can roll in, take advantage, blah, blah, blah. But in like a fatal four way, there's no reason that there should only be two men in the ring. Anyone, there's just no reason. Exactly. But this match did a very good job of not doing any of that for the yep. most part. Almost, almost every spot in this match, all three men were involved in some capacity. Um, and it was such a breath of fresh air. 
Yeah, then Nitro, uh, after the, yeah, so Nitro goes for a backflip off the ropes and lands on his feet just for Carly to catch him with this absolutely dirty Hurricane Rana. Yeah, that Hurricane Rana was fucking beautiful. He, so, so <laughs> Carlito, um, then follows up with what was almost a poison Rana, which is, he you know, did uh, the nastiest fucking bro. I thought, I thought it was gonna hurt, I thought it was actually gonna hurt Nitro here because Nitro had a hard time holding him up. So, so he pretty much jumped, he like jumps up onto Nitro's shoulders in like a reverse powerbomb position. And so instead of a poison Rana, which is basically just like a Frankensteiner, but reverse. Um, he ends up getting like a victory roll here, which is the much a much safer, oh, uh, much way safer. safer than what I thought way, he was about to I do. Really thought he was gonna do this fucking point and just kill, kill, kill this dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even, the, even the even the crowd, even the crowd was like kind of spooked by what almost happened. Yeah, but it was just a victory roll, and I was like, oh. and then uh, Nitro winds up in a tree of woe in the corner as uh, Carlito winds up on the top rope, Benjamin. Mm-hmm. The absolute mm. specimen of an athlete he is jumps from a match straight to the top, goes Sir. to superplex Carlito when Nitro grabs uh, Benjamin for a spider suplex, which is basically a German suplex out of a tree of woe type of su- yeah. Type position. And, yeah, and this just becomes uh, this big a tower, tower doom. doom. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it, and it uh, was nice. The crowd popped for this back when tower this, doom spots meant something. This is actually what woke the crowd up. Like the crowd, They were sort of into the match, but... No, from this, 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 from this, this moment from this on, point they on, were they were in, hot. Yeah, they were they were into this match. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Benjamin follows up that spot with a, a nice, a really stiff roundhouse Just to the like, middle of Carlito's shoulder blades. I thought he was gonna put him to right. Place. Oh my to god, the neck, bro! I really thought that he was gonna knock this dude's lights up. Yeah. Um, Benjamin so, goes for some type of a float over suplex kind of deal, which gets reversed into a backcracker by Carlito. This is when Nitro, ever the opportunist, makes his play and uh, pulls Carlito out of the ring, incapacitates him briefly, and steals the pen, becoming the new Intercontinental Champion. And his mouth is busted to fuck. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Good match. Real good match. It's a very good match. I was was pleasantly surprised by the work rate of this match. The work rate, Uh, kid. Yeah, I would... uh, So far, I would say it's the best match out of... The two or three we've yeah i think four. yeah i think they've been the it's best match so far tonight but i mean they also they also they also followed up a really bad two out of three falls match so yeah which was like following a squash so backstage we had the spirit squad doing spirit squad things when vince comes in and asks them why they aren't accept or they aren't upset about uh whatever pr- whatever prank of the week dx pulled on them on raw I think I think I believe Vince mentioned that it was the time they dropped shit on them. I think, I think he did, yeah. I think that was what he was talking about. Um it was either the shit or the green goo. Whatever. They dropped whatever no, on them. They dropped uh, So eventually the spirit squad are just kind of like, yeah, Vince, cool, bro, whatever, and they leave. To when Vince notices that uh in his office all alone, he sees his penis pump. Mm-hmm. Uh he begins to walk towards the bathroom. But then uh, suddenly stops and turns around to grab the pump. Yep. Vince uh, goes to choke his chicken. Yeah, so he checks his watch. I mean, I'm assuming he was wondering how much time he had until whatever. Uh, so, yeah. he's, so he's thinking the he's going to make he's, he's going to get a fat pump on his hog, only to come out moments later covered in green paint. To then yep. which Jerry Lawler called this a booby trapped penis pump. 
Yes, he did. Nice. Ah, ah, it was a booby trap penis pull. Ah, yeah, that's yeah, true. I, I can't do that pterodactyl screech. Ah, yeah, that's for true. Um, and then we move on to, for some reason, the WWE Championship match is in the middle of the show. We have The yeah. Edge versus versus Robert Van Dam, Mr. BVD himself. Yeah, dude, Mr. Robe Van Dam. Sir. Oh. You've gotten your uh, Rob thing. Oh, yes, I did. Yes. Since last time, I actually received that item in the mail the day that we released the podcast. Yeah. I feel like we spoke it into existence because we actually recorded that podcast on a Wednesday, but it didn't go up on a Friday. And Friday is when you got it. Yeah. So I checked checked my mailbox and I found the package from uh, the wonderful boys over at Deadlock. Please check them out if you haven't. Um, and of course, as, as, as I was told, RVD was incapable of just signing the comic book that I would, that I had won in the giveaway and simply sent me a separate autograph of him and his wife, Katie Forbes. Now, no, no offense to Katie Forbes, but I don't give a shit about Katie Forbes. Okay. You know? Okay. Okay, sir. I had, I said this off pod i'm sure someone out there some mark out there is gonna want a porn star signature okay perhaps maybe i'm just not quite so enamored though i will say i mean at least i did get an rvd signature i will say but you know rvd rules and cool whatever whatever speaking of whatever uh the this match was pretty okay it wasn't crazy, crazy, but it was pretty good. Um, so RVD wearing the ECW air quotes world, world. championship. It, yeah, it's a world that, champion yeah, now. Now that uh, they finally travel under the Fed. Yeah. So he's wearing the the ECW title and the WWE title, and he's looking crazy. The double belts. Oh my goodness, RVD's looking crazy. And oh, uh, and then uh, Edge comes out. His usual sex pest uh, dealings, him and Lita being gross as always. Um, so yeah, uh, this match pretty much was just a bunch of Rob taking tons of heat from Edge. Like I don't, I don't think Rob got a whole lot of offense besides maybe a couple of really, really, really stiff kicks. That uh. Yeah. I mean, Edge Edge sold like they were shotgun blasts for sure. My man. I'm sure they were. Oh, I mean, ever, anyone I've ever seen talk about RBD's kicks has said that they that they all wish that he had fucking chilled out. That's why Triple H didn't want to work with him. Yeah, brother. Um, Lita, make sure to make uh, her presence known in this match as she repeatedly attempts to f- make RBD's life really hard. Um. A lot of Edge beating on RVD. Yep. Uh, at one point in this match, um, Edge dumps RVD on the floor really, really hard. Yeah, so Edge he, does he a threw him straight. Bomb. Oh, I'm talking um, before that. Before that, there was Edge literally threw RVD out of the ring through the middle rope, and RVD didn't even bother to touch the apron. He just hit the floor. That happened after the... Was it after? Yeah, it happened after the... That was the third, like, really big one. So the first one was the sunset flip. Edge flipped from the ring, 
from inside the ring, outside the floor. He, he took an ass bump. And he really took an out of the ring ass bump, and he, he killed, slammed fucking RVD with the sunset powerbomb. And then Edge fucking literally just fucking he what was it the uh he uh, Edge does the up and over like he Van Dam does the up and over to Edge I guess and so Edge is on the apron. And then Van Dam just has a fucking crossbody and they just crash into the ground. Yeah, that was tough. Oh my yeah. god. I don't know why the hell they did that. And then the third one was when Van Dam straight up got thrown through the middle rope. Just didn't touch it. Yeah. Straight, like face so after, so after Van Dam took that really rough bump through the middle rope to the floor, Edge pretty much followed that up by bringing him over to the barricade and power bombing him onto it. Yep. Which I gotta ask, what is up with Canadians and power bombing people onto the corners of things? I it's like Canadian songs dog. It's I don't know only... what I don't know what the hell. Like hit, hit, like Kevin Owens must have seen that one time. Kevin Steen saw it one time, yeah. and he's like, you know what? That's gonna be my spot. Something I don't know. I don't know who fucking. I I wish we'd retire that move, if not for the fact that it's overdone, just for the safety of wrestlers. Yeah, so um, eventually Edge gets uh, Rob back into the ring, and he goes to slam his head into the turnbuckle when Rob reverses and lands a tough kick straight to Edge's face. Yep. Uh, Rob, 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 you know, Rob jumps to the top the way he does, going for a five-star, but Edge rolls way out of the way. So Rob says, fuck it, top rope rolling thunder, and just leaps off. Straight beautiful. Uh, dude, dude just rolls right off the top rope and hits a throwing thunder. Follows it immediately with a split-legged moonsaw in the other corner for a two-count. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when Rob accidentally uh, knocks the ref out. And Lita, of course, finds this as an opportunity to help Edge cheat and win. So she goes to grab the WWE title and slides it to Edge, who then <laughs> RVD throws the most potato kick I've ever seen because he busts Edge this open hard way with this. Nasty. He kicks... He kicks the championship straight into Edge's face, which cuts him right above his eyebrow. Immediately bleeding. Just oh, yeah. He just smashed him. Blood um, so Lita, after making this mistake, tries to uh, re- rectify it by grabbing a chair and stuffing it into the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Edge goes to pretty much spear RVD into it, and RVD, as wily a veteran as ever, dodges. So Edge literally slams his face into the chair and does that really funny sell he does where he looks really stupid. Which also caused Lita to fall off the apron. Yep. She was holding the chair. Oh yeah, she was holding the chair. So Lita falls off the apron. So RVD then leaps to the top for a frog splash, crushes him, and gets the big fat W for ECW. Sir. Speaking of ECW, we went to... Uh, the ECW locker room for this pay-per-view where everyone was shown celebrating RVD's vi- uh, victory. Uh, Paul E., Paul Heyman, enters to remind the boys that there's a Lumberjack match tonight and yep. that the the Raw brand will also have Lumberjacks for the match between John Cena and Sabu because they need to make damn sure Cena does not win. Yep, pretty much. That's what he says. And then we move on to... Something I was not expecting to see, but I'm almost happy we did because of how absolutely silly it was. I was I was so hyped because you know uh, this is 
I don't know if it's my favorite Kane theme, but if it's not my like favorite, we talk, like we talked about, I ranked it. I ranked it number one is Slow Chemical. Number two was the one he debuted with. Yeah. Um, again, I prefer like the version two version of the one he debuted. Ours are the heavier guitar. Heavier. I feel that. Yeah. I just feel, I just feel like the original one is a lot more ominous. I I agree. I agree. So basically, this match is Kane versus. Kane. Yes, sir. Yeah. For any of you, for any of you fans who might remember the storyline involving uh Kane's role in See No Evil in May 19 or whatever. Um, uh Kane and Masked Kane have a match where <laughs> at one point okay. fake Kane on. played by uh before we that May 19th thing genuinely provided me with one of the most entertaining and memorable WWE moments where Kane was freaking out about May 19th. So it was a special guest referee match between Kane and Rob Conway. Oh, Rob Conway. That's my guy. John Michaels as the special guest referee. And uh, Kane, he was flipping out. He was freaking out. And Shawn Michaels would like yell May 19th, but he would like point to Rob Conway. It's like every time he would say May 19th and point to Rob Conway, Kane would beat the ever living piss out of Rob Conway. Yo, stick him, boy. Destroyed this guy. If you've never seen that uh, match segment thing, you should really go watch it. It is amazing. The, the, okay, so the one thing about this match that was memorable for me was when uh, fake Kane, who was played by Luke Gallows, uh, mounts the real Kane and drops one of the meanest fucking punches I've ever seen in a pro wrestling match. Okay, he so, absolutely tagged this guy. Everyone in the crowd heard it. Yeah, so um, I, I know it wasn't intentional. But he did it. This was a shoot punch for sure. He definitely cause, heard cause Kane, the... Yeah, because Glenn Jacobs immediately... Immediately yeah. covered Immediately up. Immediately started. So he got hit. You heard it. Like you, you, it, you Shit, really we, heard we, it. We, I even rewound it because I had to see yeah. it again. <laughs> yeah. And then Kane started covering up. Gallows is fucking stiff. Yeah. So then the real Kane gets up the fake Kane for what I thought was going to be a tombstone pile driver, but it was simply a power slam. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't really net Kane much of anything. So then a bunch of. Bullshit happens. Big man wrestling. Fake Kane lands one choke slam and pins the real Kane. Hmm. Yes, a bad choke slam. Kane, uh, Glenn Jacobs did not want to take his own move. He did not want to go up for the choke slam. Yeah, well, if it's not if it's not the Undertaker or the Big Show, you don't want to do it. Fair, fairly, fair I, enough. I would say, yeah. Um, terrible match. Yeah, this was not good. Although you you explained to me because I wasn't watching WWE at this point, I I'd kind of been lapsed. I mean, I was only like five years old when this happened. You know, zo- yeah. Zoomer alert! I was only yeah. five years old when this happened. But um, I wasn't really watching the product. So then you do you want to tell us about what happened the night after on Raw with this story? Yeah. So Kane gets a beat here. Glenn Jacobs gets beat here. 
And then the next night on Raw, he absolutely just jabronis Luke Gallows. He beats him up. He, like, throws him into this uh, garage door or whatever the fuck. And then he throws him out of a door and rips the mask off. And that's the end of the storyline. That's it. So, so Kane, Kane so lost here to get his heat back the next night. Yeah, that sounds like Vince McMahon's booking. So uh, then we had uh, John Cena versus Sabu in what was marked as a uh, extreme lumberjack match. And oh, brother, was it ever. Um, the first thing I want to say about this match is that before the match even started, they had a really hard... The hard cam was focused directly on the Sandman's face. Oh, yeah. This That's face he was making, he, he wanted to eat John Cena for breakfast. Yeah. Uh, this match was surprisingly absent of Sabu botches. Yeah, was... Sabu, Sabu actually kind of killed this match, which, I mean, was it, wasn't Vince McMahon very high on Sabu for a while? I think so. Yeah, he put I on mean, I mean, I mean, work boots for this, this match. Yeah, so... Um, both men, at the start of this match, much throw each other out of the ring mm-hmm. at different points to get attacked by their, by their uh, the enemy crowds. Surrounding the ring, because we got we got ECW lumberjacks and we have Monday Night Raw lumberjacks, Monday Night Coil, if you will. And uh, Sandman pulls out a he's got his cane and he he waits for Cena to turn around and face him, and he absolutely, whoo, baby, he tags this boy straight in the noggin with his cane, just clocks him with this thing. Uh, so after he hits him, he drops it to which, for some reason, Just Incredible hides the cane under the apron as if he doesn't trust the Sandman to behave. As you do. Uh, so then Sabu goes for his signature chair assisted springboard moonsault and then a senton. Uh, yeah. Followed by this. He got a lot of offense in, in a row here. Uh, then he goes to. <laughs> to That's how you knew what the finish was going to be. Yeah, for real. So then he goes for an Arabian face buster, which is basically just like a leg drop with a chair under his ass. Directly on Cena's face. Yeah. Um, before he did that face buster, he did the springboard thing where he, um, you know, springs forward or he does he jumps from the chair and then. Yeah, I mentioned that. Board. I mentioned that. Yeah, but he fucking. I mean, he did it a few times, but. Yeah, he did the, the moonsault and he did a senton. Yeah, but yeah, the senton. He like just. Oh, I mean, he 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 like he he like he like landed on his ass onto his chest. It was like, that was hardly a senton. I would not have taken that. Yeah, it was more of just. Ass. Maybe, you know that was maybe the maybe that was the, like the one Sabu botch was that he yeah. landed he landed the senton on his ass and not his back, but yeah. he then followed that with the Arabian face buster, which only netted him a two count. Uh-huh. Uh, Sabu then uh, puts Cena up in the corner and goes for another chair assisted move with a corner splash, which Cena uh, dodges. Cena then res- uh, responds to that with a really hard kick into the arm, like he. He booted, he booted Sabu in the arm. I was like, oh, damn. And then he uh and then he went for a uh, a five knuckle shuffle. But uh-huh. then the the two crowds of the lumberjacks just I guess I guess the tensions just flared up a little too high, brother. And so it, everything it, just kind of goes to shit really fast. It was at this point where I had a note saying John Cena is getting f-. Okay, so do you wanna continue? Yeah, so then uh, Sabu manages to get Cena out to the floor where the ECW boys start just absolutely hounding him. Uh, mm-hmm. Al Snow manages to get a hold of Cena and holds him up while Sabu takes a chair and literally throws it into Cena's face in a way where it lands and just rests on his head. Yep. This 
was unnecessary, but also cool. Okay, so Sabu did the same thing earlier in the match. He got his hands up. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cena definitely was trying to make sure that Sabu could not get his hands up, which, dick. Yeah, no. for sure. Uh, then eventually, the ECW boys try to hold Cena down on the table for Sabu, but John Cena is super as ever. Manages mm-hmm. to fight off all of them, uh, fight his way back into the ring, and F.U. Sabu through the table, which through the table is, is being used lightly because it he is. really only clipped the very edge of it closest to the ring. He clipped he, he, the edge and then just, he clipped the edge with like his left hip and then the rest of his body just took a fucking flat back bump onto the ground. And it yeah, sucked. so S- Sabu took an FU from inside the ring to the floor and completely missed the thing that's supposed to catch him. Cena yep. grabs him, puts in the STFU and wins, LOL. Yep. Cena uh, just absolutely jabroni this man. So then Cena goes backstage to see RVD, who for some reason puts him over, or whatever, uh, saying that he was going to give Cena uh, the, his deserved rematch for the WWE Championship sometime in the near... I th- what, they say he was going to do it the, the next night on Raw? Uh, I think so. so yeah, I know he just said... He said, he said we're going to have a title match, basically. Mm-hmm. And our, this, this is reminding me of the fact that RVD defended this goddamn title nearly every single time he appeared with it. Until the big incident. Until what happened that many people know and we're not going to talk about because we don't need to. And so we move on to the main event, which was Degeneration X and the Spirit and the Spirit Squad, which I got to say one thing. When DX entered, they had the pyro, but their pyro were just machine guns. Which was pretty They pretty had sick. goddamn machine guns just firing in the, in the shape of an X. And I'm like, you know what? This is cool. Can you name off all the Spirit Squad members? Uh, I can name four of them. Yeah, uh, I we, we got we got we got Kenny, huh? Mikey, Nikki, huh? Johnny, yes. and uh, yep, that's the same position that I am in. I can't remember the last one's name for the life of me because I don't think he did jack shit in this match to make me remember him. And I only really know Nikki because he's goddamn Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, Nikki, Mikey. Kenny, Johnny, Jimmy, <laughs> Jim, and they are the Spirit Squad. Yeah, I really don't remember. Yeah, they had the they had the spiraling sparker sparklers in their entrance. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Only one of them actually used the trampoline. That was uh-huh. kind of lame, but whatever. Um, early on in the match, Johnny took a really stiff shot to the face from Shawn Michaels, and it bloodied him up real quick, brother. Yep. This is like what. Three minutes into the match, if that. Yeah, so uh, I guess for some reason, uh, Johnny also had a, uh, it looked like it was like hand-painted, but he had like a bunch of Japanese kanji on it and like the, the big red sun in the middle. And he puts this bandana on and starts like jumping around doing like fake martial arts poses and moves to which yeah, he does, uh, uh, Sean, Sean, Michael, Sean Michaels is just completely weirded out by this. He's like, who is this goddamn J-Brown doing this stupid shit? And just tags in Triple H. Triple H continues to watch this um, and then just tags him straight in the face. Just real big hit. Bunch of gar- bunch, Yeah, good snap. There's a bunch of good snaps here in a minute. Uh, bunch of garbage happens. Then Johnny hits a really, really nice spinning roundhouse kick to Shawn Michaels here in the match. Very uh, beautiful. And then one of the squatties uh, manages to slam Michaels in the face with a chair. And God damn, was that shit loud. Yeah. That was a loud hit. Um, 
Then Mikey throws Nikki into the ropes and launches him into Sean. Uh, but he manages to dodge and Nikki like literally flies over the top rope and like almost lands on the turnbuckle post. And oh my God, I thought he was going to smash his face. It t- it takes these guys forever to use their man advantage. Oh yeah, the- it took them forever to start actually the using the advantage they had. Of this match, DX, the two guys were just dicking on these five men. It was yeah, and even Absurd. even and even then, the 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 heat segment of this match wasn't even that long. So yeah, uh, eventually the Spirit Squad kind of take control for a bit until Michaels manages to get a hot tag to Triple H, and that's when he runs wild. And boy, do these boys snap for his! I'm talking about good snap, good snap, good snap. Good snap. And then he mm-hmm. and then he, and and then he talks to one of the boys and tells that one of his nuts is hanging out of his shorts, but we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, and he's got to be super dead. Yeah, he's gonna be super dead. What's your wife doing? Don't know. Uh, some other stuff happens, and then DX wins uh, after the match. Decisively, like oh, this is this wasn't even close. Um, like uh, Triple H does his, does his pedigree. Shawn Michaels is his uh, super kick or his sweet chin, and they both pin at the same time. And all the other three men are just splayed out. Yeah, just, they just they have no clue what's going on. Everyone's just jabroni out of their minds. Um, after the match, Triple H makes one of the Spirit Squad boys literally kiss his... Like, like when I say kiss his cornhole, I mean, like, nose, yeah, like, like, nose, nose to hole. Nose like, to yeah, hole. Like, no exaggeration. So, Triple he H... Him directly between the cheeks. Or his trunks, yeah. And shows his ass, his, uh, his fucking tan... Or his not really tanned ass. And Shawn Michaels forces literally. this dude's face... Right to into smell his swampy oh. post wrestling match ass, like not you know, uh, the Vince McMahon kiss my ass cheeks. Now he said, Kiss my asshole. So, like, William Regal did a small little peck on Vince's cheek. No, it's straight up. No, like, this man smelling his hole. Like, Shawn Michaels just made this man toss Triple H's side. Live yeah, for real. Yeah, it was pretty gross, honestly. Uh, it was disgusting. <laughs> it was horrible. I, I, if 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 that if a spot like that happened to me, I would definitely shoot puke immediately after. I'd be puking my brains out. Um, uh, if that spot happened to me, it would have to be a shoot because I would be taking liberties on anybody. I taking liberties on anyone who tries that shit. Yeah, no. that's for true. So then, uh, Vince McMahon sands penis pump. Mm-hmm. Sad, sad. I really wish it had worked out for him. Uh, comes out to the stage and just stares at DX like he's proud of them. Yeah, kind of laughing. He's like laughing and says, "Good job." He's like, "Yeah, good job, steps on you. You made my penis pump explode." Mm. Also, good job and... beating these jobbers. And that was the show. That was Vengeance 2006. And all in all, pretty pretty decent show. I will say it didn't suck as much as I thought it might. I mean. There was only like one or two spots in this in the show where I was really feeling like, man, they could have really just not done this, and the show would have been. There was only two matches that I didn't like, and the booking of one match that I did. Yeah, I didn't like the um, the fake cane nonsense or the the Foley and Ric Flair garbage match. I didn't. And I didn't. Yeah, I can agree with that. I didn't like the Super Cena booking because he got his ass beat in that match and the fact that he just straight up came back just makes sabu look like the biggest geek well i I I liked the match i just didn't like the booking finish the booking for the finish with with hindsight being 2020 as it is 
looking back on John Cena being Super Cena here in this match, I mean, I it doesn't. It, this 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 doesn't bother me nearly as much as Umaga putting over Kamala. True. Like it's one thing for you know the face of the company, John Super Cena, to kind of bury an ECW guy who's like. He must have been like in his forties at this point. Sure, shit looked like it uh, for Sabu, and you know that's one thing. But for like Umaga, who was in the middle of like an undefeated run and whatever, being being forced to put over a guy who's been retired for, I mean, how long had it been at this point? He retired in like, or was he doing indie shots at this point still? He might have been doing indie stuff, but okay, like, but. Uh... On the per- on on the large stage, he was retired for yeah. many many years, and and it just made absolutely no sense to me. Well, let me let me see if they ever actually did anything with this. Let me see if they ever uh did Umaga versus Kamala or not. Did they do this? Did they did they do Kamala? Let me see. Oh my God, they did! Holy crap! Wow. Uh-huh. Holy okay. Well, maybe okay. You know what? If it was for this, then I sort of get it. But at the How same time, better than the squash. Uh, the YouTube video is about six minutes. Let me see. Uh, go to the like what pay? It should tell you the pay per view. Well, it was it was on a raw. It was on a raw. Okay. This was okay, this was on a Monday Night Raw. I would presume this might have been maybe the Raw after Vengeance or some. But yeah, this match. Yeah, okay, yeah, this was the Raw after Vengeance because they're showing a promo package from the night before. Uh, this match goes uh, less than two minutes. Good. So I'm not sure what the point of all that was, but I mean, I guess it's cool that Kamala got one more shot on the big screen, on the big yeah, time. I mean, I'm and all he got for his payday. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all for that. So, hey, more ups to him, even if it was at the expense of uh, Monster Heal. Yep. That was Vengeance 2006, everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird to think that, like, the years, like, 2002-ish to, like, 2007 were such a weird time for this company. Because, like, the talent talent pool is absolutely absurd. Yeah, especially when you get to, like, 2004, 2005, and you add the... Yeah, once you got, like... Yeah, once like John Cena and Batista and Randy Orton and all those young guys from OVW are main eventers, yeah. man, this whole product was kind of crazy. Like Sabu versus John Cena doesn't even sound like a match. No, but it happened. I think it happened you know, twice. I'm pretty sure that a rematch. Yeah, it might have. It's, it's just insane. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I think that's that's really it, huh? I think so. Is that so, a, is that a, is that another taking liberties pro wrestling pod in the books? I think it is. Everyone, go ahead and follow the podcast on Twitter at TLProWrestPod. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, fucking Breaker. Goddamn Pocket. everywhere. Anywhere you can find a podcast, you will find us, I promise. Pretty much. I mean, even like some some places that I don't mention, just type in some places I've never even some places I've never right. even heard of. There's some places 
literally on on our analytics that we we are we are absolutely everywhere and we are unavoidable so you might as well get on the train now because we're going to the moon baby let's go you're damn right damn and uh also leave a five-star review on leave us a five on apple podcast it helps out the podcast tremendously and i should go and check not anything i do not think so just check today's check anyway and i think that's all i got to say you got anything you would like to plug andrew yeah so uh you can find me on twitter at nene sama n-a-e-n-a-e-s-a-m-a if you are someone like me who absolutely hates the wwf and uh is maybe looking for something to watch this coming monday night i'm gonna be um streaming on twitch.tv this upcoming monday at 7 p.m est that is 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Uh, well, I'm going to be running from 7 to 11 in case you need some kind of entertainment instead of Raw. Um, so just off, you said 7, just off the top of my head, that's 4 PST, uh, 6 CST, 5 Mountain Time, and... Whatever else in the middle. Midnight in England, I think? I think that's midnight in the UK, England, that area. Um... Speaking of which, we see y'all in the analytics over in Europe, and we see you, and we appreciate you very much. And we're going to conquer. Yeah. We're going to we're going to conquer the other five continents on our way to the top eight. I'm talking about Antarctica. We're going to get viewers, listeners, friends, and fans in Antarctica. Just you watch us. Um, Shouts out to the the people listening in uh, in Ireland, Germany, and the UK. Seriously, like let us. Shouts out to you. Let us know. Let us know. Let, let us know what drew you to this podcast. I am genuinely curious about. It. Yeah, I would love to know. And like I said, uh, check me out on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Nene Sama, spelled the same way as my Twitter, N A E N A E S A M A. This upcoming Monday night, uh, that will be uh, Monday, the 28th of September, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. EST. I'll probably be playing some Among Us, maybe some other stuff. Whatever happens, happens. Come chat with me. Come shoot the shit. Even say mean things to me. I'll even laugh at them with you. Yeah, and I will certainly be there in the chat. Oh, absolutely. So... I'm I'm expecting plenty of boys. Of course, of course. And I and I certainly hope to see many of you there, so we can all clown around and be brudas. Indubiously. Well, I uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I think so, we just I think we, that's uh, that's another one for the books there, brother. The books. So, thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for wasting your time with us. Thanks for taking liberties, and thanks for just checking out the um, pod, man. We appreciate it more than you could ever know. So, on that note, we will see you guys next time. See ya.